Hello and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 1, Episode 13, Flame's End. Episode was January 29th, 1986. It was directed by Bruce Seth Green. Not Seth Green. Yeah, Bruce Seth Green. Bruce Seth Green. <laughs> uh, and it was written by Stephen Kendall based on a story written by Hannah Louise Shearer. So we don't have an opening gambit. Yeah, no. We will never, never again. Never again. <laughs> have an opening gambit. We've seen our, the last of those. Um, so why don't you give us a, a brief description of the plot of the episode? All right. Uh, the episode is. Uh, MacGyver gets a call from an old ex-girlfriend and she's worried that someone might be trying to kill her. She works at a nuclear plant and uh, MacGyver goes out to see her just in time to see her killed in an explosion and uh, proceeds to try to investigate what's going on. Right. Um, And that's basically the plot. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll just move into the fully uh, detailed version of this. Um, the first shot is of, of this woman working at the nuclear plant, right? Right, yeah. It's what, a, in real life is, I guess, the water treatment plant in San Pedro. But it looks so, like, foreboding. Like, it's just these gig- four gigantic domes. sphere, yeah. like, the spherical dome. All, all domes are spherical, but, but they're almost complete spheres. They're like right. like, like a 90% of a sphere. Um, and, uh, yeah, she gets a call from the state police saying that her boss has been in a car accident and died and died that night she yeah. gets the call which is i don't think that's even a part of like the regular process like calling the workplace of the deceased and mm-hmm. letting them know i mean the only thing i'm trying to think of what why they would have done that like because they're not asking her for information they don't ask when he left or yeah. if he seemed like he was having any trouble or anything they just say we're just calling to let you know mm-hmm. we're yeah. calling everybody in the area so she gets this phone call that uh, her boss has been killed but they're uh, at the. We're kind of moving back and forth between this scene of her mm-hmm. um, at at the plant, and it seems like she's being watched. Yeah, she, uh, well, she's being watched by a guy in her in a radiation suit. Right, and then we're cutting back and forth to MacGyver um, playing like table hockey with a woman in mm-hmm. his uh, in his the Venice apartment. Um, right, and she. I don't think they make it clear exactly who she is to him Not in, at this, all. in this episode. Um, very cute lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the episode, she's played by Robin Pearson Rose, um, who uh, the longest running um, regular character for her was she played a character named Patricia on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. I'm not familiar yeah, with the yeah. character. But um, in just my random research, I noticed that she was uh, once married to uh, an actor by the name of Kent Williams. They're divorced now. Mm. But um, Kent actually appears in uh, much further down the line in MacGyver's. Um, third to last episode, it was season seven, episode 12, Off the Wall, as a character named Clinton Ferris. But um, <laughs> in looking up <laughs> Kent's information, um, as usual, going too deep into yeah. these IMDb's, I noticed that uh, Kent has, was married to another Robin, um, and that was Robin Curtis, <laughs> who <laughs> oh we um, previously had play Kate Connolly on the show yeah. for season one, episode four, The Gauntlet. So uh, it's just funny that uh, he played... Uh, he he was married to two Robins that were love interests for MacGyver. For MacGyver. Well, whether or not she, this this Susan, uh, the character yeah, is, is a love interest, it's just, it's a very strange scene because she's there in the apartment. They obviously have a close relationship, right? Um, but it, yeah, like I I I thought maybe they were on a date. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of some kind and like you know, but uh, yeah, they're they're playing stick hockey uh with the like. Like a full, like a full arcade style, like domed in stick hockey. Like yeah, you can't. and actually, if if people want to buy this thing, I I saw uh, there there's actually a link on the merchandise page for MacGyver Online, um, to like the Amazon listing for this particular hockey table from the show from the well, episode. Well, no, not not the actual one that oh, they okay, used, but, but like the, the same the same style with the dome over it and everything. It does, might even be like the same model. Does, that they does use. it does it have the the marble? I, I don't know if it off. comes with the MacGyver starter kit. Uh, <laughs> Where you, he, he basically, there's, there's like this, it's a, it's like a little track that he drops this uh, metal ball into mm-hmm. and it just rolls down the track before the game starts up. It's yeah. not clear if that's an actual part of the, the, the game as it, as it's shipped or right. if it's something that he sort of MacGyvered onto well, it. Because it's one of those things like where you're playing with two people, but someone has to be the person to release the marble, right. which gives you that split second of like time to get back to your controls. Yeah. 
Um, I guess this is a way of just like making it even for you can be at the ready and yeah. it just drops it yeah. after a certain amount of time. So maybe this is something that actually comes with the table. Uh, but, but yeah, we in in this episode, like I said, we don't we don't really know who who uh, this woman Susan is to mm-hmm. him. Um, it seems like she's kind of a friend, although it also feels in places like she's flirting with him and he's totally not getting it. Yeah. Um, but then she'll come back in the next episode as his landlady, which uh, presumably the same character, mm-hmm. although her name there is Suzanne, where and it's it's Susan here. Was this the, still the Venice apartment? I think so. I okay. think I think I've not countdown uh, the enemy within the episode after countdown is the one where he's moving out of the Venice okay. apartment. He has everything packed up. He, he he has to break it off with Suzanne. Right, that's what happens. Oh, no. Things went south. She's <laughs> like, "Look, I was throwing myself at you, and then your ex called, and you just disappeared. Also, mm-hmm. you haven't paid me rent in two years." <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Susan is adorable, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, she kind of looks like Terry Gar a little bit. Um, um, and for some reason, MacGyver's wearing a full hockey costume yeah, while he's playing this with game with gloves and everything. Like he he, it's kind of condescending to her that he's playing at such a disadvantage. With with all this extra equipment and without wearing a jersey or anything, mm. like she's at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, but um, it's funny because I just imagine like when she showed up, he wasn't wearing that, and then he was like, "Hold on, I have to put on all my hockey gear mm-hmm. to school you on this table." <laughs> um, but yeah, she she will come back in the next episode, and that's unfortunately her last appearance mm. is in the next episode. And meanwhile, we're still cutting back to um, Amy at the plant, mm-hmm. being pursued by this guy. Um, she basically, as soon as she finds out that her boss, um, Jerry Hillman, Jerry Hillman has has been killed, she goes to a filing cabinet near her desk and pulls out an eyes only document, mm-hmm. um, which is apparently some information that she and him stumbled upon that he was going to be delivering to the authorities. Right. Um, and she knew that that was his plan tonight, and so she's suspicious of the fact that he's been killed. So she takes the other copy of this information. Um, and basically decides she's going to stash it somewhere before anything could happen to yeah. her. Um, bizarrely, her choice for where to hide this is in the nuclear waste Dis- uh, disposal chamber. It's a disposal chamber for nuclear waste. It's basically a runoff system that nuclear sludge just gushes into. Yeah, and I guess just just she says it's decontaminated, but I don't know how you do that. But um, it just looks like it's just like a storage tanker room right. with a door. And so um, she takes the file and just kind of tucks it behind some pipes in mm-hmm. that room and then, you know, sneaks out of the place before this guy can catch her. But she right. she runs to a phone and she calls MacGyver at his, at his home. Mm-hmm. Which which to me is strange because, like, obviously we don't know who this woman is yet. Right. But when when she calls her, she calls up MacGyver and, you know, says, MacGyver, it's 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 Amy Austin. And that that's what triggers MacGyver to, to rush to the phone. Right, because she's leaving a message on his answering machine. Right. Um, but we find out later that, that she hasn't seen MacGyver in years. They don't communicate, really. But she, and yet she knows his number. She knows his number by heart. And just a few weeks ago, he lived in the Griffith Observatory, and now he's down in Venice. So mm-hmm. he's definitely changed phone numbers. Exactly, yeah. So it, it, it's kind of weird that she was just able to pull, to, to, to get him so quickly. Um, she she's imparting to him that, that uh, she's concerned for her life, that she she just kind of casually says, you know, a friend of mine died, and I think someone's trying to kill me. And MacGyver's like, okay, well, you know, I'll be there tomorrow. And that's when she spots the... Yeah, he says he, he'll hop on a plane tonight, and he'll mm-hmm. be there tomorrow. And, uh, you know, she, she, then she turns around and sees the, the, the guy with the flashlight coming down the hallway, which is a really long hallway. She's got a lot of distance on the guy. Yeah, so she just drops the phone. Mm-hmm, and, and just takes off running. And, and on, on her way to the phone, she's doing this weird power walk. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, I guess she's in heels, but even so, it, it seems like she's in this very controlled rush. Like, she doesn't want to like fall She doesn't want to look like she's running away. Yeah. But she is trying to run away, so she's just doing a speed walking. And maybe she's afraid that, that running will click her heels too much, will uh, click, maybe. make too much noise, and they'll hear it, so she has to kind of, like, shuffle in such a way that her heels don't click. Yeah. That, that's just a guess. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do if I was in my in my, in my heels. <laughs> that's true. Wearing, that is how you walk in your heels. <laughs> if I'm wearing tap shoes and I'm trying to make a quiet getaway. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, from there, the credits roll, and... Uh, uh, oh, but she tells him to meet 
to meet her at their beach in quotes. Yeah. Which I mean, already that's that's a big hint that this was a, a previous like romantic interest mm-hmm. of his. That uh, people don't co-adopt beaches. Yeah. Uh, platonically. <laughs> it's like the adopt a highway program. <laughs> right. Our our beach. Remember the one that we uh, cleaned up for months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have the opening credits, and then uh, it just cuts to MacGyver doing some. Uh, narration uh while he arrives at the beach right and this is um it's westport beach they call Mm -hmm. it um and they they refer to the city repeatedly as being westport there is a westport california um it's in northern california um on the coast yeah it is on the coast but um it's a very very small town i Mm -hmm. don't think they have a nuclear reactor there but um but presumably that's where this is supposed to take place, considering they're, they're clearly still in California. When yeah. he pulls up to the beach, he's driving a car with California plates. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, we know he lives in California. Right. So if he needed to take a plane, he, he's got to be in Northern yeah. California. And California has quite a few nuclear facilities. So yeah, so yeah it, 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 it is logical. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that they didn't use the San Onofre, San Onofre plant. Oh, it would have been true. an operation then, I think. Wouldn't I, it? I, I would think so. I'm just curious. It just seemed like like a logical choice, but maybe 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 all the hoops to jump through working with an actual nuclear, nuclear reactor yeah, was too that, much of a pain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, but at least, I mean, like, this this building works fine, I think, for it. Oh, and God, they shoot it in looks, San Pedro so much. Yeah, I, I, like we said before, it looks like a nuclear plant. I think more likely what happened is they were shooting another episode down in San Pedro, and they drove past that, and they were like, "Oh man, we could use that as a nuclear reactor site. Mm-hmm. Let's just go in there." They weren't even like planning on trying to find another location. Yeah. So uh, at the beach, MacGyver is kind of just reminiscing about uh, their time there because this is their beach. They probably came there a lot. And uh, we actually – is this our first, like, MacGyver flashback? Yes, definitely. This is this is like our, our first – because even in Target MacGyver, like, they talk about the past, but we never have, like, a flashback. Um, for I mean, very... the only flashbacks that we've had in the past have been, like – flashing back 12 hours not flashing back like to earlier in his yeah, life yeah. like nightmares i think we have flashbacks when he's like recalling what happened earlier that day that day yeah, yeah. but yeah this is like the first like hint of his past other than family um and uh so it's you 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 said you determined it to be like in the 70s yeah my guess is that this is like early 70s um the the song that's playing on the radio when we when we're beginning this flashback is uh, we we have Amy which is weird because this is supposed to be MacGyver's flashback so we shouldn't be with Amy by herself yeah but <laughs> um, Amy's in the car and uh, Crocodile Rock is playing which okay. was released in 1972 she doesn't seem to know any of the words but she's singing mm-hmm. away <laughs> regardless her mouth is moving but she's not matching up to the lyrics at all because of course that song probably wasn't playing on set yeah, yeah, yeah. She, um, just imagine you're listening to Crocodile yeah, Rock <laughs> just pretend a song is playing we'll fill it in later it's like I'm not going to move my mouth to a song that I don't know <laughs> um, but then the next song that plays is uh, Jim Croce's Time in a Bottle which was released in 1973 mm. and I don't think she's listening to an oldie station I think she's listening to like the pop, pop music. music at the time which if the second song came out in 73, I'm assuming this is supposed to be 73, 74, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. These are like one or two year old songs for her. Um, she still hasn't had time to learn Crocodile Rock. But yeah. <laughs> um, if this is 73, um, which is like a conservative estimate for it being a longer time ago, mm-hmm. then this has been 13 years, um, which this episode's airing in 1986. If this takes place in 73, yeah. We just heard a few episodes ago that MacGyver was 28, according to his math. Yeah. So here he's 15, <laughs> um, pulling up on his motorcycle. And they've graduated from college. Right. They already have their degrees. He has a degree in physics mm-hmm. that he got just because he he, he, liked, he physics. liked physics, yeah. not because he intended to move on to a career in so, physics. But but more realistically, they're probably supposed to be in their in their mid 20s. Um, Which would mean this is about three or four years ago. Yeah. So maybe she is listening to an oldies station that's just playing ten-year-old songs. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Yeah. Um. But uh, they they don't because they don't look significantly younger. No. Like, and they didn't get other actors to play them. It's MacGyver almost looks older in the flashback. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh. it's because he's wearing this this leather jacket because mm-hmm. he's on the motorcycle, and it just looks like anachronistic. It just looks like makes him look older because the jacket looks newer. Yeah. Because he's normally in this bomber jacket that mm-hmm. just kind of matches him, I think. Yeah, and so, like, you know, he's black leather jacket and motorcycle. So it's like, oh, yeah, because he's young and reckless. He would have a motorcycle. Yeah. And uh, and she's she's in, like, this old truck and right. uh, wearing a, a, a 
like an overalls, like not not overalls, but like a jumpsuit. Yeah. And he he uh, gets off the bike and surprises her with, "Hey, good news! I just signed us up to both be cooks, cooks on a <laughs> on a cruiser on a, a freighter. boat, a, yeah. a freighter that's going around the Greek islands and the Adriatic Sea." And she's like, uh, "I just graduated. I'm going to work at the nuclear power plant yeah. down the street." I I have student loans to pay. Yeah. For my physics, for my degree. I, I don't probably... think I'm going to pay for that feeding pirates on a freighter. <laughs> I'm assuming that's who Max signed up with. They're just doing all these horrible kidnappings. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what a. I mean, like, I get like where the adventure comes from, but there's a there's a difference between being spontaneous and being like borderline crazy. Yeah. And MacGyver's playing with the line here. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, she's she's not into it. Um, she tells him to go, and. if I could save time in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, we switch right from like happy music to yeah, somber. Maybe you should get out of here. Um, and so yeah, she they have like a tearful. She it's not even like a goodbye or I'm breaking up with you. It's just like she just kind of huffs and and gets in the car and drives away. And you just assume that that's the last time they see each other. Yeah. Um, but she kept his phone number on hand in case mm-hmm. anyone was ever following her for more than four seconds. Yeah. And, uh, so we come back to reality. Or back to this... reality. Oh, <laughs> there goes gravity. <laughs> so we, we come back to the present. Right. And. Yeah, this wasn't a fantasy. This was, this <laughs> yeah. was reality. He, he was in another plane of existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, a little, little, a car pulls up and honk, honks the horn a few times. We can't see who the, who the, who the driver is. It's a, it's a big haired eighties haired woman in the car. Right. And, and, uh, MacGyver gives, gives her kind of like a friendly wave, friendly wave. Yeah. And then the car explodes. Oh my, oh my God. This is, this is probably the most shocking shot in the whole series so far. Yeah. And it's really intense. The car just lifts off the ground and MacGyver does like this slow motion. Yeah. And with, without saying anything. Like, like right. It's the just, audio is just muted. Yeah. But it's, and he runs toward the car, and there's a freeze frame on this grief-stricken face. Yeah. But not a commercial break. It's not a commercial it's break. It's not a commercial break. Oh, no, because it, it freeze frames, and then it fades to white. And yeah. And then we move into a couple hours later. Yeah. And the police are there. And they put, they've put out the fire. Um, Max just digging through all the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, people on the forums were complaining that he shouldn't be allowed to do this. Like, there would have been a bomb squad there investigating stuff very thoroughly. Yeah. But I think... That as a as an agent of DXS, that he might have some kind of special clearance that he could mm-hmm. say like, "Look, I am a very specialized agent. I yeah. deactivated bombs in Vietnam. Like, I have all the authority and the credentials to investigate this myself. Here's yeah. my badge. Here's my information. You can call my superiors if you want." Yeah. So I think I think Mac was was well within his rights. I think so. I mean, jurisdictionally maybe, but. Um, it also would have made it very easy for him to kill her himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, this is a very incriminating conversation that he has with the police. Not only was he the only person there, and um, he's pretty sure it's a bomb, and she dumped him on this beach. Yeah. You know, there's there's oh my motive gosh. right oh my, there. Oh my, I'm starting to suspect my guy for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he he's pulling the parts of the car out, and he shows them. He's the, throwing him in the water. He's just Oops. tossing him into the ocean. No, this is not, this is not important. He's just dragging her body out into the sea. Um, but he, he shows them the gas tank of the car, mm-hmm. and he explains that if there was an explosion, it would be blasting out from the gas yeah. tank, but you can see a puncture hole that goes into the tank, and um, he points to like a powdery residue on the outside of the tank. So we, uh, that's what I'm confused about, because the, the chief says like that was from like an explosive bullet, and he says like a mag point. It's like, so was there... Someone shot the car. There. Is that what they're implying? That, I think that's that the implication. Someone shot the car. Yeah. We we don't hear a shot. No, we don't. But we um, wouldn't hear it if the car's exploding at the same that's time. That's true. But because I, I don't know if like they were saying implying some kind of device was rigged to the gas tank. No, it seems like it's it's an exploding bullet was fired into the gas tank that caused the car to explode. So someone sniped it from somewhere. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember now which side of the car the the gas uh, tank was on. Uh, it's, it, it's really hard to say because it's all been blown up, and he just has a fragment. But I mean, before of it. it explodes, when she pulls up, if you can see like oh. which side of the car the tank is on, like if the guy's shooting from behind MacGyver on that side, or if he's just obscured by the car on the other side. <laughs> MacGyver looks down; he's got a bullet hole in his chest. He's just like, oh man, I just noticed this. This hole uh, is blasted from the other side of my heart. <laughs> so, um, 
but yeah, so this car is exploded, and he's you know pulling the pieces mm-hmm. of the exploded. And uh, car just then, uh, Freddy Krueger arrives. Right. Uh, uh, already a nightmarish situation, but yeah. now more made more so by uh, Robert England. Robert England shows up as Tim Wexler, um, and he introduces himself to MacGyver sort of as an old friend. He, mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, it's me, Tim Wexler." Yeah, do you remember? Uh, yeah, and uh, later on, we we kind of understand that these three went to. It seems like high school and college together. Yeah, it's weird because they've got a yearbook, but they look pretty much the same in the yearbook. But then they look the same in the flashback anyway. Yeah. Um. But I, I never got a college yearbook. I, I guess you could have gotten one, but there's so many people in your class. It's not like you're in the same classes together. Right. You're all just all over the map. So um, we're not sure exactly how far back their relationship goes, but it seems like since high school, or mm-hmm. they've known each other for a long time. They're, they've they've they went around this town yeah. for a while the yearbook says science club but science in quotations yeah which we we decided that this is because they went to a religious school and so <laughs> some kids wanted to start a science club and they're like well you can call it the science club but we're gonna put quotes around it. yeah because none of that's official yeah um but yeah so um when tim shows up tim wexler um he seems very oblivious here mm-hmm. uh, he's like wait you're telling me the car didn't just explode for no reason yeah it's like, no tim that doesn't happen <laughs> what <laughs> well, a thing but the, but the police chief then tries to say well maybe she had a gas leak and it dripped onto the tailpipe it's like was the gas tank above the tailpipe <laughs> yeah and is that a thing that's ever happened to a car like is that does the gas just leak out and then the car just explodes yeah because if so i'm probably gonna start walking to work mm-hmm I get freaked out whenever I just smell gasoline, oh, but uh, I love it. I do like the smell of gasoline, but it freaks me out when I smell it in my car while I'm driving. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, why am I smelling this rag? <laughs> I'm getting so tired. <laughs> Maybe I should stop huffing on the way to work. I picked the wrong day to stop huffing gasoline. <laughs> um, and then after all, to this... start huffing. <laughs> Every day is the wrong day to start huffing gasoline. <laughs> uh, uh, but then, like, so MacGyver convinces, like, the chief of police to start looking into more that potentially that this wasn't an accident. Right. And then uh, he casually asks, like, when the funeral is, and he says, tomorrow. Oh, it's yeah, tomorrow. he says, he says, so the parents are the parents are out of the picture because both of the parents passed away. Mm-hmm. In a plane crash. In a plane crash. Um and yeah, he he says uh, the only other person that we could talk to is our roommate Bonnie, but she's out of town for the weekend. She probably mm. won't even be back for the funeral. And yeah. Max, like, when is that? And they're like, tomorrow morning. <laughs> and uh, it's not clear when exactly this happens, but if he just got off a plane, yeah, like this is like maybe later morning. It's twenty four hours. They're it's, burying yeah, her. Yeah, le- maybe hours. less than twenty four hours after the explosion that killed her, they're mm-hmm. already burying her. They don't even, as we'll find out, they don't even have the coroner's report yet. Right. Which they, they wouldn't. I mean, the body's still at the scene right now. Yeah, I, it's it's so bizarre, um, but I guess just necessary for the plot. Yeah. Maybe they have some strict city ordinance. Yeah. <laughs> if you die, you have to be buried in twenty four hours. Yeah, it's one of like the, this like old fashioned rule based on like there was one time when like the bodies were just backed up. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? People are going in the ground twenty four hours. That's yeah. our max now. We also do a lottery system here. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, you just cut off a finger and you do your coroner report on the finger. Yeah. And then we'll figure out who they are later. <laughs> Hopefully we have their fingerprints. Right. Um, so just, then do we move directly to the funeral? Yeah, we just move directly to the funeral at the at the lighthouse. Right. Um, which, this is crazy, but um, we, we uh, were talking about um, Nana Visitor's appearance in, in Hellfire recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and about how she she is in a second episode of the show, which is DOA MacGyver. It's season two, episode twenty-one. And uh, so I decided I would you know watch a little bit ahead and, and check that episode out because I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we did watch it on one of our MacGyver nights. It turns out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so I was watching season two, episode twenty-one, and the home that uh, Nana Visitor's character in that episode is Carol Varney, and the home that she lives in in that episode. They're burying Amy's body in the front yard of that house <laughs> in this episode. If if you go and watch episode two twenty one, you'll see this house with it's like a lighthouse. It has a, a light in the middle of it. Right. Um, but then in this episode, you can very clearly see it in the yeah. background. But there's there's no headstones. It's like you only move the headstones. You, the you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> um. 
but yeah, so they're they're burying her right here in Carol Verne's front yard. Yeah. Um, which probably creeped out MacGyver <laughs> when he came back a couple a couple yeah. episodes down the line. But um, the minister that's uh, giving the speech here at the funeral is actually um, the actor's name is Ed Williams, um, and he played the character of Ted Olson on mm-hmm. uh, Police Squad, and then and then after that uh, the Naked Gun movies, which was on the show. Uh, I, you had said he he was basically like a Mister Wizard type. Yeah, he he was like the police forensics expert. Um, they would go to him with like parts of the case, and uh, but whenever they first come into his office, he's teaching some kid some dangerous experiment. Uh, or it says tomorrow we'll learn why helium floats. You know, it's right. just like some silliness. Yeah, and then uh, in the movies they they kind of change the character a little bit. He becomes sort of a Q branch type. Like mm-hmm. here's a switchblade shoe, and here's yeah. like the anti graffiti wall and stuff like that. Um, and, and he's also like their lab scientist or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the guy that's officiating this funeral. Is mm-hmm. it officiating for a funeral or? Uh, he's the MC. minister. He's the yeah. MC. He's the, he's the, he's the MC. He's the DJ for the funeral. Um. <laughs> Skrillex, play me off. <laughs> I'm going to go throw it to Skrillex for the eulogy. Uh, and you know, obviously, I, uh, MacGyver doesn't have any extra clothes with him, so like he... He's forced to attend the funeral in in the clothes that he arrived in. That he just dug through like a burnt car in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm surprised how many mourners actually were able to show up on 24 hours notice. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point. Yeah, be but her- they, she is being buried in a park in a residential zone, so maybe yeah. people just came out curious. <laughs> um, excuse me, this is my fight yard. <laughs> Carol Varney, get out of here. Um. And so after the ceremony, uh, MacGyver gets back into his car and is immediately grabbed from behind. And it's Amy. Amy Austin is alive. What second mind blown part yeah, of this episode? Yeah, oh my gosh. This episode is full of this. And uh, she just tells him just to, to drive drive to her parents' place. Yeah, she says drive to my dad's old place, uh, uh, which her parents as we said, had passed away in a plane crash a year ago. Mm-hmm. So there's this house out on the edge of town and for it's sale. got a for sale sign. Yeah. Um, Cause she's trying to. Uh, and obviously he would know from their relationship where, where, where her, her parents, parents used to Yeah. Live. He makes it clear that he's met the family earlier mm-hmm. when he's talking to the police. He's like, what about Ant-Man? What about so-and-so? Yeah, Toby or something. Yeah. And uh, everybody's out of town. There's nobody around that, that, uh, and obviously I mean, didn't bother flying in for the funeral. Yeah. Well, 24 hours. You can't, yeah. can't get there. Um, it's kind of weird that they're playing on this kind of mentality of it's a small town, so no one ever really leaves. But it's a small town with a nuclear power plant and a college where yeah. you can get physics degrees to go work at the nuclear power yeah. plant. It's like that's true. They went to college in this town. Yeah, and it's like the the college only exists to get people to staff the nuclear plant. Yeah, it's a college on the on the plant. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's at the, on the same grounds as the plant. Uh, so he he takes her to um her dad's house and they sort of have this whole conversation in the front yard which if there's people like yeah it's if you're freaked out for your life maybe just move inside right away but she explains that uh it wasn't her in the car she didn't Mm -hmm. magically survive this explosion yeah um that her roommate bonnie had offered to pick macgyver up and bring him back to the house because she was was terrified Mm -hmm. and she didn't know what was going on she was terrified someone was trying to kill her so why don't you go yeah you know what? I gotta pick up this guy MacGyver, but there's a bunch of people trying to kill me. So can you just take my car? You kind of look like me. <laughs> take my car. Wear some sunglasses. Take my car, please. <laughs> but um, so Bonnie got blown up mm-hmm. and conceivably buried already. Yeah. Without anyone being notified, they didn't even get 24 hours notice. Yeah, exactly. She's underground already. Because because within this time that they reach the house and go inside. Um, this is when the coroner's report is coming out. Yeah. Um, now that's this is the tricky part of the episode too. Because Tim gets a Tim Wexler at the plant gets a call. We right. don't know who it's from, but we fi- we'll find out later who it's from. But he because he answers the way he's saying it's like what? When did that come out? Okay, yeah. thanks. And then, and then he says that wasn't Amy's body. Yeah, which but, we'll know later who's calling him here. Yeah, but right now presumably it's the same person at the police station that's in charge of calling random coworkers <laughs> and explaining that people have died. The right. person's the better part of their job. Is calling to explain that people haven't died, mm-hmm. which is a totally unnecessary. <laughs> Every day it's called. By, By the, the way, way, your boss made it home safely. 
oh gosh, my my mom would love a service like that. It's like, call me when you make it home. <laughs> just let me know you made it there. Yeah, okay. there's a guy at the police station that's just on the phone all day. <laughs> um, but he has to explain himself. Tim has to explain himself to Kyle, the security for the plant, because he's in right. the same room. Because he's obviously like shocked, and Kyle's like, "What's going on?" He says, "Oh, that was the coroner's office calling. That wasn't that wasn't Amy's body in the car." Which the coroner's office would have no reason to call the plant. Yeah. But he also has no reason to lie to this guard because this guard is in on it as well. I don't think he is. No. No, I don't think the I don't think the guard's in on it. It seems like he is later. Maybe that's not the case. Yeah. But um, but also now, if I was the coroner, I'd be like, ah, oh, crap! Now I got to dig up that body and find out who it is. Yeah. That's a whole nother mess. Maybe we shouldn't bury people so quickly. This is why we shouldn't have pushed that law through. Uh, so awkward. The pol- it's just so we can commit murders and get the evidence covered up really yeah. quick. <laughs> there was a very heavy mafia presence in this small town. Yeah. Um, so back at Amy's parents' place, uh, they're just kind of like rehashing old times. He's trying to comfort her. Uh, apparently he sends her a red rose every year on her birthday. Right. Uh, which presumably is... it has his phone number on it somewhere. <laughs> By the way, change of ad- change of address. That would, uh, that would seem really desperate to most people. <laughs> By the way, if uh, you're trying to reach me, here's my number and a flower. Call me maybe. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> terrible reference. Um. Uh. So she tells him about the documents and that, that they need to go back to the plant to get yeah, them. Yeah, to collect them. So it's really strange because they drive up to the plant and they pull up to the security gate. And to distract us from what's probably going on at the gate, they move the camera to show that there's a car following them mm-hmm. to the plant. But but, but, but the was, conversation at the gate. Yeah, because this is a nuclear power plant. You have to have security and clearance to get in. Yeah, MacGyver can't even just walk into this place. Exactly. So clearly the guard would have had to... They have, Amy would have to have shown her ID that she was someone who was alive still. And Yeah, and it, the guard would have just been like, Oh, hey, Amy, how's it going? Wait, didn't we just bury you, like, earlier today? <laughs> and she'd be like, Oh, no, that was my roommate. The coroner just released a report. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Well, it's good, <laughs> good to have you back. Glad to see you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't um, worry about it, Yale. Yale, yeah. It must <laughs> be who Yale was. There's somebody on this episode called Yale, and we can't figure out who it is. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be enough, like, speaking parts to warrant. Yeah, uh, unless the credit. The, unless the scene was cut. That, I guess that's possible. Yeah. Someone is credited as Yale, and uh, and we can't figure out who in this episode would be Yale. But Yale uh, played Jake in Critters. Mm-hmm. And he played the water and power man in a film called Mac and Me. A little film. About a, a young child who befriends an alien named MacGyver <laughs> <laughs> from another planet. And then they sing and dance at McDonald's. Classic film. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, then you should check it out. Or you should YouTube uh, search Paul Rudd on Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring to? No, I don't. I think it's uh, Conan O'Brien. Every time Paul Rudd is a guest on Conan O'Brien, he says he's going to show a clip from his new film, and every single time, it's a clip from Mac and Me of a kid in a wheelchair <laughs> rolling down a hill. <laughs> it's amazing. He's done it like 12 times. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, uh, that's better than the Walker, Texas Ranger lover. It is. But I still want to install one of those in my home. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely put that on the on the website. Yeah, for uh, for the listeners to enjoy. Amy takes MacGyver down to the disposal chamber where she's hidden the documents. Right. And uh, unbeknownst that they are still being now being watched and followed by the unknown radiation suit stalker. Right. Um, who's been waiting right outside that same yeah he's room exactly. Um, so. They, they go into the disposal chamber and they're kind of admiring it and Amy pulls out the documents and says, oh, everything's here. And then, of course, the door comes down to a close and the the disposal chamber is activated. And uh, <laughs> if, if activated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the, 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 there's like this big valve that opens up and Amy's telling MacGyver at about 10 minutes this room's going to get so hot that we're not even going to be able to breathe. Right. And it's very, like, 
Vicky delivery, mm-hmm. um, like of MacGruber fame. Um, <laughs> you only got ten minutes, MacGruber. <laughs> watching this episode uh, uh, with my wife, uh, her theory was that this was the exact room that the original MacGruber sketch was based on. Yeah, because it it very closely resembles what Saturday Night Live did for the first few MacGruber sketches, which is just a room with like dirty walls. Mm-hmm. There's like lights and sirens blaring. Yeah, and he's being told that they have like a couple minutes to survive if he doesn't do something finish solving this whatever panel he has ripped open at the door Mm -hmm. and it's exactly what's happening here so i'm pretty sure it's based specifically on this scene from this episode i I would i would agree which for that reason alone this episode gets a lot of credit in my book for Mm -hmm. having been in in, in essence the the birthplace of mcgruber MacGruber. such a great sketch and movie in general we'll have to cover that after we finish the whole series you think yeah um but yeah so um when they're first in the room, uh, she explains that they have they have ten minutes. The subtitles say ten minutes, and the audio says ten minutes. But her mouth says two minutes. If you watch it, pay very close attention to after the door closes and they realize they're trapped in here and that this nuclear waste is going to be running into the room. Mm-hmm. She says, we have two minutes to get the door open. And her mouth is dubbed over with ten minutes because I guess the... The producers were uncomfortable going to commercial um, with with the audience thinking they have two minutes for MacGyver to survive. Because right. um, obviously, when commercials start, the show keeps going. Yeah. So if there were people at home like, "Oh my God, it's been two minutes. I don't I don't care about macaroni and cheese. What happened to MacGyver?" <laughs> so they um, they come back from commercials and um, MacGyver's sort of being really jokey about it and he's just like oh so when is that gonna happen or this mm. is before mm. he, he's he's very he's taking the his imminent death very in a very yeah. light-hearted way he's like, oh <laughs> so how many minutes do we have oh wonderful so so that means we're both gonna die oh great yeah and well, let's uh, climb up this tube <clears throat> yeah can we climb up the tube that leads right to the core so he goes to the door and she says well the door is like time activated it's not going to open for like an hour she says yeah an hour. she says it's not going to open for 60 minutes we only have one but again her her saying one has been dubbed over with the number nine mm-hmm. um so it seems like and and also i actually did some probably needless counting here but from the from the time she says we have one minute and he cracks open the panel it's close to two minutes before mm-hmm. they actually end up getting the door open okay but and there's a beep sounding every second as this clock is ticking down and it beeps 40 times but there's about 30 seconds before we actually even hear the beeping right right when he, when he gets the panel open but uh the this door is basically set to open after an hour um so macgyver's idea since it's an electric timer is that he's gonna basically short the circuit on in the in the clock yeah so that basically he's like creating like a, a loop a feedback, a feedback loop, loop yeah. and causes the timer to tick down faster uh, which I mean, she she points out would eventually burn out the clock and would kill it but on the way to burning it out it would just speed up time basically mm-hmm. so um, he pries into the thing with his uh, with his trusty Swiss Army knife yep um, and then he starts you know reorganizing some circuitry um, and then he gets it together the way he wants it and then starts running the clock and it it uh, burns out all the time they have left, and the door gets open just in time. Yeah, for them and, to step out. And and Tim up in the control room had seen that the the disposal. Well, Kyle is the one who spotted that the disposal unit is activated. Yeah. But uh, then Tim like says, oh, "Someone someone activated the manual. manual override. I have to, you know, like I can't I can't shut it down from up here." So he he runs down to see what's going on and and sees them bracing the door closed probably because that room is quickly filling up with sludge and they yeah. just and broken does, the lock yeah so there's nothing holding it in <laughs> you know, we have to kind of hold this <laughs> which i mean what the the plan was that this sludge would sit in there until an hour from now then the door would open and spill all this nuclear waste yeah, into the building but it would be decontaminated by then right because uh, that's how long it takes to decontaminate a room full of radioactive sludge there's some other logic flaws here um she puts the file in that room saying no one will check here Mm -hmm. but isn't the whole point of not keeping it on you putting it somewhere that someone will find it because the point i would think the the point of putting it in the room is that if they catch you the files are still out there Mm -hmm. but if they catch you and the files are still out there in a room where no one will check on them 
then and they're destroyed. It, then it, essentially they're they're useless. Yeah, and if this room fills up with sludge to be decontaminated, and it's hot enough that they can't even breathe in there near it, mm-hmm. then it's obviously just going to burn up. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like this was a bad hiding place. Yeah, poor. Might have just kept it in the filing cabinet. Just to misorganize it alphabetically. <laughs> yeah, I'll never find it. <clears throat> but yeah. uh so uh, Freddy Krueger, we should really refer to him as Robert <laughs> Freddy, England. Yeah, Freddy. Uh, <laughs> Freddy shows up. No, uh, Robert England comes down, um, and he's like, "What are you? How did? How you? What is? What? But who's in? Like typical, like flustered villain." Yeah, but it's it just was like that was the best take. It was very odd. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they calm him down from his <laughs> right. from his awkward flustering. Yeah, but with more like vague, confusing comments. Yeah, like yeah. MacGyver never like spells anything out for anybody, but uh, he just says like, "Look, it's okay. We're Everything's okay. fine." But uh, he says that we need to contact the Nuclear Regu- Regulatory Commission. Right. He says you you call the NRC and we need to let them know that uranium has been stolen yeah. from this facility. Which which is finally what we've come to know. Like, yeah, we've come to know that there enough what. What she says is enough uranium to make a bomb. Right. I don't think you need that much to make a... Yeah, 30 kilograms is a lot of uranium. Yeah. It's like, what, 60 pounds? I think I did the math. Like, 66 pounds. That sounds right. It's like, jeez, that's a lot. That's quite a bomb. Um, But that's why they're getting paid $50 million for it. Yeah. 50 million. 50 million. (laughs) Seems like so little money. There are houses selling for so much more than that. Yeah. Um... But that's how much you need all that uranium. Uh, but MacGyver's convinced that the uranium's still in the in the plant, even though Amy's saying that they've checked all the containers, uh, that the, nothing seems to be out of some. Nothing seems to be missing. The the the, the numbers on the file seem. But that's the thing. If nothing's missing, uh, how do they have the numbers that something's missing? Because that's the whole point of the file is to show that there's a discrepancy, but they can't find it. Yeah. Like how. I, it's the well. I think when she says nothing's missing, does she mean? I think she means nothing. None of the barrels are gone. Like they mm. have an inventory of everything that's there. The only thing's missing is the actual chemical. Yeah. So she, they don't know what the container was for it. Um. So they they suit up and go into uh, a storage room, a nuclear storage room. And they both have Geiger counters, even though mm-hmm. they pretty much stay with each other. Yeah. They also button on these little. Uh, it's like a a film strip mm-hmm. badge that she she basically explains. That this film will turn black um, when it's exposed to radiation, right? Um, or significant or when it's of radiation. when it's supposed, yeah. When, when you're exposed to enough radiation to kill you, it yeah. will turn completely black. So like, you'll see it change color. I would just have it say "dead." <laughs> yeah. If you're reading this, you're dead. <laughs> you are walking dead. Um, Lost cause, it'll say. <laughs> it, but then you go into like your Schrodinger's like moments, like. Well, I'm dead, but I'm still alive. <laughs> uh-huh. You don't know until you open the box. That's right. What box? <laughs> Shut up, Schrodinger. What's in the box? Um, um, they, I was, I was bringing it up during the episode, and I want to say it again. I think Geiger counters are the greatest invention for movie plot devices. Yeah. Because obviously they're a real thing. They they really just make clicky sounds when they're near radiation. Um, but it's such a great auditory cue. For people in, who are watching something, like you just hear the clicks, and as you get closer and closer, the clicks just get more and more violent, and it's it's very frightening um, because they find the uranium hidden in a signpost, a concrete signpost. Take a listen. And the guy was just pulling out, and you hear like the gentle clicks, and as soon as he pulls it out, it's just like, it's yeah. Like, oh gosh, they're getting so. And much he's like radiation. taking his time, like, are you are you getting this? Do you do you hear this here? And it's listen, like, just put it away, listen, MacGyver. Put, we both put, have put cancer. Your head right up against it. <laughs> listen closely. Um. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, cause, like, I don't know if you ever have you ever used a Geiger counter. No, I haven't. It, like, you can turn it on just outside, and you'll get you'll get clicks. I forget why my dad had one, but he had a Geiger counter. Yeah. And it started going off one day because he had gone to the doctor and had gotten an injection with that oh. had like a radiated mm-hmm. chemical in it that so that it would show up better on an x-ray or a scan or something yeah, like yeah. that and he realized it was actually setting off his geiger counter like that little radiation was mm-hmm. enough to do it i thought that was interesting yeah that's crazy uh <clears throat> so they come out of they come out of a uh, decontamination which i was i was going to call bs on this 
because like well, they're in this this room full of radiation and they just kind of casually walk out and I just like, take off their helmets immediately. I was like, yeah. well, you know, you can't just do that. But then I saw that the room that they're exiting actually says decontamination Decon. Yeah, they, they came out of the actual decontamination room. Uh, now like, they're just in like a locker room to change out of yeah. their suits. Um, which probably, the suits probably should have been left in the, the decontamination decon. yeah. room. And they probably also should have been thicker than they were. Yeah. They look like raincoat ponchos <laughs> that they bought at like 7-Eleven on a rainy it, day. It looks like the suit that he made in Trumbo's world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks like someone just melted a garden hose into this crappy thing. Um, but it's important for them to keep it on for the remainder of the episode. Plot. Right. Um, but as soon as they come out, Tim is there with, with a, a gun, gun on him. Yeah, as they're, as they're leaving the decon unit, he says, alright, well we found the missing uranium. Step two is figuring out who's at fault, and they walk right up to Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert England has a gun trained on them. And it's yeah. like, all right, step three is... Uh... <laughs> but MacGyver, he's like, he's so such a cool customer. He's like, oh, hey, Tim. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, you don't seem surprised. It's like, mm, yeah. Uh, more disappointed. Yeah. Ah, that's, that's the worst. Yeah. And, uh, you know, MacGyver, MacGyver is basically judging his character, saying that he says that something along the lines of somewhere you made the decision to whether or not to be a killer right and so and you're not one yeah so he just starts walking away with amy and he's like macgyver i'm gonna i'll do it i'll shoot you and Um, and she thinks he he will because mm -hmm. she even though they they all went to high school together she doesn't know him as well as macgyver does apparently yeah and and she says how how sure are you that he's not going to kill us or how good are you at judging people yeah and he says i'm taking the final exam right now yeah um, just more school talk from them, mm-hmm. which earlier she, um, when we we see um, Tim in the control room reading their yearbook, and there's a page that just happens to have all three of them on it. Yeah. Um, and the top picture is Robert England, and it says most likely to succeed. Which I mean, what was wrong with these kids that they didn't give that to MacGyver first of all? Yeah. <laughs> but second of all, uh, you see MacGyver's picture, and it says already has it. <laughs> That's the quote. Like that's the he was awarded already has it. Um, I feel like that was supposed to just be like already has, like, so if you read it, most likely to succeed, then already his has. is already has. But it like, says already has it. Yeah. So, I mean, unless they were trying to say like he has everything, like yeah. you're just like, oh, does anyone have a pencil? Oh, already. MacGyver's got a bunch, or already he'll make, has he'll it. just carve one out of a tree it, and some lead. It's actually the MacGyver family motto. Like yeah. on their crest already has. Oh, it. we'll see the MacGyver family motto, and, I, and that's not that's not the. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. That's a, that's in the houseboat seasons, but uh, they, he has a crest on the wall in his room, and, oh, really? and his actual family crest is I there. I don't with remember a, this. I'm very motto. excited. To, I'm very excited to know this. Uh, there's a fun story behind it. It's actually fan made, but we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, by someone who actually makes like family crests for a living. Really. Um, they they developed one for the MacGyver family and gave him their own motto, which they incorporated into the show. So, wow. Yeah, it's pretty Gosh, neat. I love stories like that. Yeah, it's fun when they incorporate fan stuff into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, we move back to uh, Freddy Krueger is not <laughs> shooting MacGyver. Yeah, he, he he doesn't kill them. Uh, they make it back to the control room where Kyle is just kind of sitting at the desk, like ignoring them. They're like, Kyle, you need to call the police, and they're like, Kyle, like, and he's. You can see, like, he's, like, just doesn't want to move, and that's when we get the next plot twist. Okay, so he's not really an accomplice. He's just yeah. terrified because yeah. the chief of police is here. Yeah, the chief of police is here, comes out from behind a control panel with his with his gun. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, oh, no one's calling anyone. And uh, so that's when Tim comes back and says, no, there's been too much killing. Don't kill him. Uh, we can tie him up. And, you know, obviously the chief doesn't. The chief doesn't want any of that. Like right. it's like it, you can't. They know who we are. They know what we're doing. We can't. We can't let them live. Yeah. And. Uh, Which I have to side with the chief of police here. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, this plan. is high treason. You're all gonna get the death penalty for mm-hmm. this. And uh, really, the only possible thing you can do is kill MacGyver and this girl if you want to live. Yeah. Which maybe you don't want to live. And but if you want to live and you want fifty million dollars to support your family until yeah. the inevitable nuclear strike. That, that <laughs> yeah, you that, that, you've, that you've caused. Um, I don't but, care what they do with it after I sell it to them. It's like, really, you don't? You the, don't at all care? Yeah, because be, there's I'd a lot of targets concerned. here on the West Coast. Um, uh, but Tim wrestles the gun away from him, 
and two shots. As he's just firing it. He fires five shots, right? He fi- well, he fires two shots at Tim. Yeah, one at the ground and then one into Tim's right, gut. Right in his gut. And then three into the control board. Yeah, like he fires... He fi- Well, he's trying to hit uh, MacGyver and Amy, but they dive behind the control board. Right. Which is a bad move on their part. Yeah. Because, like, he just manages to hit the controls and shorts it out. Um, Potentially all, all, causing a meltdown. Um, also shoots uh, Kyle in the oh, arm. okay. Uh, but he only fires five shots. And right. it, it, like, it's like a nine millimeter. It's like he only brought five bullets. Maybe he killed someone after breakfast or something. <laughs> he, he just been shooting, he like shooting up into the air. I was going to say maybe one of the bullets was the one that ruptured the gas tank, but these aren't exploding bullets. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It can't be the same. Um, but uh, so he, I can't remember what, oh yeah, he's got a bullet. So that's why he just throws the gun and runs out. Yeah. Um, and the, the the computer voice starts coming in, saying, you know, meltdown you know, imminent, meltdown imminent, yeah. critical, evacuate, containment out of control. <laughs> this this place is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I love the uh, the classic like ooh, like like uh, oh, alarm yeah. sound that's going the on outside. Claxons. Is that what it is? I've, in the uh, in the pilot, there's a a subtitle in the in the. Um, when you have the captions on, mm-hmm. that says "Klaxon blares," and it says that underneath, huh. like the alarm going off it, when they're having like the potential meltdown. So I'm assuming that's called a klaxon, but we'll have to look into that. Yeah, yeah. What a very strange name. I, I, I just I thought it was crazy that they were that accurate with the sound effect. It's yeah. just like just alarm blares is what I would have written. Yeah. I'm just a lazy jerk, <laughs> and then I'm calling you guys out for like typing "use" instead of "used" in our <laughs> previous episode. <laughs> And uh, you got Claxon right. So yeah, yes. Yeah. I apologize. So uh, their only way is to try to activate the cooling system manually. So MacGyver runs off to go do that while Amy sits with Tim, who's nursing his wound and watching the control panels as the the gauges are heating up. But MacGyver encounters the chief on the way, and the chief has got the uranium tube. Yeah, he just put it on a dolly, yeah, like a furniture do dolly. Yeah, and he's just like wheeling it. He's he's like awkwardly old man trying to pull it up some stairs. And as he's going down a the hallway, there's just a gun on the ground, so he just picks it up. Yeah, it's good. Five <laughs> more shots. <laughs> and they, I mean, it was it was Tim's gun that he had dropped right. when he didn't shoot MacGyver. But the fact that he just dropped it and just left it in the hallway, he just left it in the hallway. Someone will find it. <laughs> the cleaning crew will take care yeah. of it. And it, we don't really see where he stashes the uranium after this point, but then he just goes after MacGyver on foot. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he sees MacGyver, like he he try he shoots at him and then just starts chasing him around the the one of the the bases of the the towers. Yeah, one of the stacks. They're just running in circles around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then MacGyver kind of hides and then swings around a corner and kicks the guy to the ground. Yeah, and in in the impact of falling, he pulls the trigger and, and blasts a, a pipe and just gets a heavy dose. Yeah, heavy dose of, of white steam, but uh, it turns his little uh, his badge, badge turns black, black instantly. Yeah, he he is a dead man. Yeah, I'm sorry, like. Like they're all well, we can get him into the showers, but because we never see him, yeah, we we don't know what yeah, happens. Yeah, no, he's to gone. Him. Um, uh, Hopefully, the coroner takes time to identify him. Yeah, maybe this is like Bonnie again. There's another <laughs> Bonnie here. Put him in the ground. Is he gonna bury him out in Barney's front yard? <laughs> <laughs> they they don't call him Barry and Barney the coroner. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, Amy's back with him, and uh, they climb up the edge of one of the 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 plant towers which is a really cool thing because they're really climbing up these yeah the, these domes and it seems like a lot of the locations on site are actually from this water treatment yeah plant. absolutely like um, they're they definitely got... actually on the the ladder here and they're definitely on the roof of this actual mm-hmm. building later some of some of the insert shots are like obviously like other places and other matchups of... i wonder though if the control room was like completely fake yeah yeah that had to be a set that's a really cool looking control room though we were looking at pictures of uh, the chernobyl control room earlier mm-hmm. and it's a very similar room it's, it's like round all the way around and then there's yeah, just yeah. like walls and walls of computers with blinking lights and desks and it looked pretty similar yeah to, to the set that they'd prepared here and and there was this there was like the four gauges like for the towers right but no indicators on the gauges Right. It's just like white and then a section that's red. But there's not there's nothing actually pointing. Yeah. It's like it's like I guess anywhere that's not red yeah, is there's, fine. There's no numbers or anything. <laughs> What's the reactor temperature? It's good. It's white. 
It's either red or white. White is hot, actually. That's bad. Oh, gosh. You'd that's prefer so, if it was red. That's hotter than red. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they get up to the so they get up to the top of the tower. On their on their way though, we get another mention of MacGyver's acrophobia. No, that's right. That's um, right. I hate and, heights. Yeah, she's she was wondering what his problem is climbing up this ladder, and he says, I hate heights. and she says, "Oh, oh that's yeah. right, I forgot." And he said, "I thought you remember everything." <laughs> like, sick burn, MacGyver. Yeah, it's like bringing up the past. Yeah, I thought you remember everything. Uh, and they get up to the top, and like like we said, they're they're really on top of this building. Yeah. And what do you call it a building? Is it a building? If it's a structure, structure. One of the base layers. Um, And uh, there's just this valve on the top that MacGyver grabs a wrench and it's just, I guess he just has to loosen this nut to, to relieve the pressure of the system. Right. And there's, there's like a big red wrench hanging on a, Mm -hmm. on a hook that's like intended specifically to loosen this, this nut here. Yeah. And there's, and clearly the stuff that's coming out is, is radioactive because she has to keep hosing him down. Yeah. Uh, and he, even though his badge his is badge already... His badge is getting pretty dark gray here. Yeah, it's it's pretty dark. It's hard to say if it gets as black as the Chiefs does. Yeah. But it's very, very dark. Yeah. Um, they they have at least have stage four. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but when the... You know, he's being sprayed down with water. The wrench is hard for him to, hand, to, to grab. And it just slips out of his hands and of course falls down a he grate. He throws it down a grate, yeah. <laughs> he just throws it down a grate. <laughs> In frustration. <laughs> and then he runs over to her and says, quick, give me the gun. <laughs> yeah, give me the other gun. And we're at this point, we're like, I'm not dying of cancer. <laughs> like, just, he just shoots himself right there. <laughs> doesn't even shoot her first. Yeah. Like, he doesn't just, have the decency to shoot her in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, he takes the gun away from her and then completely apart. And it just happens to be that the gun fits pretty snugly around the right. the the nut that he needs to turn, and um, and for some reason he's getting more torque out of like mm-hmm. an eight inch gun than he was out of like a foot and a half wrench. Yeah, but I guess I guess because he can grip it with both hands. But still, sure. I, I mean, he had both hands on the other thing, but yeah, who knows? Um, but, but he's he, we, able to release this thing. Yeah, but we get this great line from him of "I hate heights, I despise guns." How the hell did I find myself in this situation? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but here's the thing. As soon as, like, they release it, more stuff starts gushing out. Right. Well, isn't this stuff radioactive? I mean, it is radioactive, but it's still preventing a meltdown. Yeah. I think the, the but implication it's releasing is, into the air. That's yeah, what concerns me. Have you seen, um, a lot of the West Wing? Mm-mm. There's an episode, um, it's in the last season because it's during, like, the election and Alan Alda is, like, running for president. Um, this is after Martin Sheen's already been elected twice, so okay. he's he's a lame duck at this point. But um, there's a nuclear meltdown at a at a um, nuclear reactor in California on the coast. Um, I forget what they call it in that episode. Diablo Canyon. No, it's it's a different like it's a made up nuclear okay. uh, reactor. But um, they have like a runoff that goes into another building, and so that's their first test, and then that building is like getting beyond its like pressure limitations for the runoff. And so they end up having to release the nuclear gas into the atmosphere. And it's like near enough to homes that they have to evacuate all these neighborhoods and stuff yeah. like that. But I think that would be like in, a, in an emergency situation to avoid a meltdown, yeah. they would risk expelling radiation into the atmosphere and then just condemning this whole area. Yeah. But it's, it's a big part of why people don't like to live near nuclear reactors. Right. It brings property value down. Um, not that it, they are, um, that unsafe uh in yeah. the long run but um but that's it's a conceivably irrational fear that people mm-hmm. have of nuclear um nuclear facilities right, right um but yeah they they relieve the pressure and uh we cut to tim back at the control room hearing the the beep start slowing down and the, the gauges are going back into the, the the safety of the white yeah um and just in time for him to succumb to his injuries. yeah has his death rattle and his hand falls to the ground right so he gets to die a I guess hero a, a hero of sorts he he did have a change of heart and sacrificed his life essentially to I to save he, them I would say that he did succeed yeah he was most likely most to most likely to, and then he did already has it. <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver's, MacGyver's already got it. MacGyver's, that's, that's what he says at his funeral. He's like, already has it. Already has it. What does that mean, MacGyver? I don't know. <laughs> um, but we don't find out what happens to the chief. Again, presumably he's probably irradiated. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, we don't even have any like closure at the plant. It just cuts to uh, back at the, the parents' place. Yeah, and the actor who plays uh, the police chief Ed Train, um, this is his last credit. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not sure why that is, because I mean he's an older gentleman, but he's not that old. Yeah, and. As far as I can tell from my cursory internet search, he's he hasn't passed away yet. Right, right. Um, the the actor's name is Conlon Carter, but yeah, he he played Doc in sixty eight episodes of a show called Combat, which mm. is, it was an hour long drama series yeah, yeah. based on uh, World War Two. Um, Popular show. Yeah, and uh, Tannis Montgomery, who plays uh, Amy here, this is also her last credit. Yeah, and that's again, so not sure weird. why. It seems like she's still alive, but she she came from an acting family. Her sister uh, Belinda was. Doogie Hauser's mom on that show. I never actually watched that show. Never watched it. Yeah. Um, and her brother Lee played uh, Danny in uh, Ben, which was the sequel to the original Willard. So okay. Willard came out in '71, and Ben came out in '72, and then he plays the kid that's that befriends the rat Ben in, okay. in the second movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know why this was a this was a swan song for a couple of the cast mm-hmm. members who who seem to still be around some yeah twenty twenty something years later. It's a great episode to go out on. Absolutely. It's no. like, well, once you've done Flame's End of MacGyver, which is, it's a really good episode. It is a there solid episode. There are so many twists, and, you know, we, we see, we've got murder, and I international... I mean, the war. car exploding is a jaw-dropping moment. Yeah. And then the reveal that she's still around at the funeral is mm-hmm. crazy. And then, for me, I feel like the police chief's involvement did come as a surprise still. Yeah. Like, I was, I was suspicious of Tim from the start. And especially when they had a history, <laughs> but well, yeah, because of his Freddy Krueger. Uh, at the time, he'd, he'd only done the first two uh, Nightmare movies, right, right. But I still like as soon as he's in something, I'm like, this guy's gonna be a bad guy. Although he was a good guy in um, where he appeared uh, in Wishmaster alongside uh, guest of the show Tammy Lauren, mm-hmm. um, and, and and he was he Raymond was... Beaumont and that, and he was a good guy. Yeah, and he was he was a, a, a generally a good guy on V, even though he was one of the aliens. Uh, that came there. He was, like, it's weird. He's like, kind of autistic. He's like, he's just basically a grunt alien. Yeah. But this woman kind of likes him, and he's sympathetic to the humans. Um, so it kind of makes him a likable character, uh, even though he's a <laughs> turns out to be some kind of big lizard. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have your ETs. Starman. Starman. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I really like this episode, uh, and uh, like I said, the chief's involvement. So we know now that he was the one calling Tim to let him know, hey, that wasn't Amy in the car. Yeah. And and uh, you know, you you look back on it like in watching because we've watched we both now watched this episode a couple times. Yeah. When Tim and he are having the conversation on the beach with the evidence. Like you can, it seems like Tim wasn't aware of this plot to blow up the car. Yeah, and that he, like the the chief, is kind of trying to throw him off the scent. Yeah, yeah. It 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 like, and we get like you know, they have some glances that they exchange, which you don't really pay attention to, but now when you watch them with subtext in your mind, and even after Tim admits to some of the guilt, he still claims, and I believe him, that he wasn't actually involved in attempts on anyone's life. Yeah. Um, but but then that means that the creepy stalker running around the plant the whole time was the chief of police, right? In yeah. the hazmat suit for for most of it, yeah, yeah. Because because when they get locked into the disposal chamber, it could have been him though the first night when he's watching that, her. In that, that could have that could have been him. Um, but uh, definitely when they get locked in the disposal chamber, because Tim's up in the control room, he can't. He couldn't yeah. have been. He couldn't have been down there. And he seemed genuinely surprised that they were locked in there. Yeah. What are you? How are they? <laughs> but who's in? Hubba hubba hubba. Calm down, Tim. <laughs> Tim have a, have a Snickers. I already have. It. <laughs> Tim have a Snickers. You you act very poorly when you have a Nada Snickers. You're acting like Robert England. <laughs> Calm down, Freddy Krueger. Because Freddy Krueger's always so nervous. Yeah. There's like moving his fingers to get those like pulsive habit. I don't feel comfortable without the the glove on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's about it for the episode yeah it's a good episode it definitely yeah it's a very solid uh a very solid outing get some history for macgyver 
nuclear nuclear plants are always like a big i mean yeah. it's cars exploding two attractive women mm-hmm. <laughs> he has two semi-love interests yeah um, steals another steals some more kisses in this one yep yeah this is the first time we really see him reacting like acting with a girlfriend too mm-hmm. um you know when he like just takes her and hugs her and kisses her on the beach yeah it just seems like oh this is interesting like normally it's it's a stranger that he's kissing <laughs> this is yeah. the first time he's kissing someone who he's met before but yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. about it for the episode. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, um, you can you can get us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at Opening Gambit, all one word. Our website is phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash phoenixfoundationpodcast. And if you're enjoying the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 1, Episode 14, Countdown. Yes. Oh, God. I love this episode. Another great God, season uh, one so good episode. Yeah, season one's been pretty nonstop. Yeah. I mean, there's there's pauses here and there. I feel like Target MacGyver was one yeah. of the slower ones so far. But, um, but yeah, no, we got, uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up mm-hmm. right in a row. This one and then Enemy Within. And, and uh, so... I think you have a lot to look forward to listeners yeah so tune in next week and thanks again for listening